the wind turbine of the body, how it slows down in aging, and how scientists want to speed it up again. Keep listening on to find out what I mean, only here on the People Scientist Podcast. People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking, to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 97. Can you believe it? Episode 97. Three more episodes until we hit 100. I wonder what topic I will cover for episode 100. I have some fun ideas. But how are all of you doing? I hope that you are doing super. Turns out I broke my laptop screen a couple days ago. It's so sad. But with the help of my friends Molly and Kareem, they helped me hook up my laptop to my TV. And I'm not going to lie, it's actually a pretty cool setup. Maybe something I'll wind up keeping. So what are we going to talk about for today's episode? Today is going to be a bit of a physiology episode. In the last few years, there's been a lot of interest in longevity and successful aging. What happens to our body when we age? Why do we age? What molecules in our body contribute to aging? That is when a molecule called NAD was studied, and some clinical trials have supplemented with a precursor form of NAD to see if it could help with aging. So let's see what the data says, shall we? As we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. There is a molecule in our body called NAD. NAD is like the jack of all trades in our body. It is literally needed for nearly 500 reactions in our body. It turns out that this jack of all trades declines as we get older. It is thought that this is part of the reason contributing to aging bodies, less NAD. So many animal studies and some human studies have looked at a bunch of different ways to see how and if we can increase this jack-of-all-trades, NAD, again. We can do that via many different ways. In animal studies, it looks promising in regard to reversing some diseases and slowing the aging process. In humans, it is possible to raise NAD levels, and this seems to reduce levels of inflammation, can improve symptoms of neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's disease. It may improve exercise performance as well. But the long-term effects of increasing NAD on aging and health have yet to be studied in the clinical setting because it is a pretty new field. Now, how can we increase our NAD levels? We can do so by maintaining a healthy body weight, reducing calories, intermittent fasting, eating sources of the amino acid tryptophan and vitamin B3 niacin, 
Some examples include like chicken, turkey, pork, nutritional yeast, peanuts, etc. Or by taking supplements of the precursor form of NAD, like NR supplements. And I'm going to get into those details in this episode. So how about we start that off now? There is a very important signaling molecule in our body called nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide or abbreviated NAD. NAD is one of the most important and interesting molecules in the body. It is required for over 500 enzymatic reactions and plays a key role in the regulation of almost all our major biological processes. Above all, NAD may allow us to lead healthier and longer lives. And NAD is present in the human body at about 3 grams on average. David Sinclair wrote a really great review on NAD in the journal Cell Metabolism two years ago. In there, they detail how NAD controls hundreds of key processes from energy metabolism up to cell survival. Like I said earlier, NAD is like the jack of all trades in the body. Now, NAD levels rise and fall depending on what we eat, how much we exercise, and even the time of day. And I will get into those details in a moment. But the reason why we are interested in NAD is because of its role in aging. NAD levels steadily decline with age, resulting in altered metabolism and increased susceptibility to diseases and chronic conditions. It has become clear that a steady decline in NAD levels over time is a natural part of life for all species, from yeast to humans. This decline is believed to be one of the major reasons that organisms, like humans, age. During normal aging, lower NAD levels are observed in tissues of various organisms, including humans, mice, and worms. For example, ZOO in 2015 reported in humans, using a non-invasive magnetic resonance-based imaging NAD assay, the scientists had observed an age-dependent reduction in NAD levels in the human brain from healthy volunteers. So NAD in the brain declines as we get older. Now think of NAD also like a renewable energy source. Let's think of it as wind power. Think of NAD as the wind turbine generating energy for our brain and body. But with age, that wind turbine slows down. And as a result, now there's less energy for our brain and body, leading to aging and an inability to properly repair the brain and body. Well, scientists want to find out how to get that wind turbine up and running again. They want to know if we can increase NAD levels in disease and aging. And there's quite a bit of data showing that restoring NAD levels in older animals or animals with chronic conditions might be able to promote their health and extend their lifespan. There are a range of physiological stresses that are associated with depletion of NAD, for example, eating a high-fat diet, being overweight, being physically inactive. And in animal studies, they were able to reverse these negative effects by supplementing the diet with a precursor to NAD. For example, they could prevent noise-inducing hearing loss, resistance to weight gain, reduction of blood glucose, reducing fatty liver and neuropathy on a high-fat diet, They were able to improve heart function in genetic cardiomyopathy and prevent neuron degeneration in the cortex of the brain by simply increasing NAD 
in these animals, which in a lot of cases were mice. For example, there are also some studies where mice were fed a high fat diet or a regular diet. Now this high fat diet in particular was an unhealthy high fat diet with a lot of saturated fat, salt, sugar as well. But the mice were also supplemented with a molecule to increase NAD levels in their body. In the journal Cell Metabolism in 2018, scientists noted that adding a precursor of NAD to the diet of mice enhanced their health span, but not lifespan, when in combination with an unhealthy high-fat diet. For example, the mice would be healthier with better functioning, but did not necessarily live significantly longer when raising NAD levels. This is something often referred to as health span or successful aging, how long we can remain healthy and functioning. And it appears that in the mouse study anyway, when mice were fed a high-fat diet, increasing NAD imparted some benefits against diabetes, fatty liver, and oxidative stress. For example, if fed just a high-fat diet, the blood glucose levels of the mice rose to nearly 400 milligrams per deciliter, which is pretty high. But if nicotinamide riboside, a precursor to NAD, was added to the high-fat diet to increase their NAD, their blood glucose only rose to 250 milligrams per deciliter. Now, this was the same blood glucose reading as a mouse eating a healthy, normal standard chow diet. So it seemed to reverse the negative effects of an unhealthy diet. But do keep in mind that this was just in a mouse study. Now, NAD has also been studied in diseases of aging like dementia and Alzheimer's. Reduced NAD levels play a pivotal role in brain aging and neurodegenerative disorders because NAD replenishment improves mitochondrial function and mitochondrial biogenesis and reduces accumulation of damaged mitochondria in both premature aging models and Alzheimer's disease models. In mouse models of dementia or Alzheimer's, increasing NAD or let's say oiling up that wind turbine to get it going again, imparted some benefits like improving mitochondrial function, protecting the neurons of the brain, having normal energy levels for the neurons of the brain, and enhancing their memory functioning versus control mice that had lower NAD. So it appears that raising NAD might be able to help promote brain health. But as well, in other contexts of brain health, Lee in the journal Stroke in 2016 reported that increasing NAD levels in mice seem to improve recovery from a stroke. Cano in the journal Cell Metabolism in 2012 reported that increasing NAD levels can activate important genes involved in longevity and successful aging, genes such as CERT1 and CERT3. These resulted in enhanced metabolism, and provided protection against metabolic abnormalities in aging animals. This suggests that NAD may be able to prevent metabolic and age-related disorders. So these promising findings in mouse studies prom prompted a search for ways to increase NAD in humans. Now because the B vitamin, vitamin B3 niacin, can be converted to NAD in the human body, it has received some interest. Homeostatic levels of NAD can be achieved by ingesting 15 milligrams of niacin daily, which is pretty close to what we should be aiming for. Typically, we want to get around 16 to 18 milligrams of vitamin B3 niacin per day. You can get 15 milligrams of niacin, for example, in 6 ounces of chicken, 
six ounces of pork, two cups of mushrooms, or four ounces of peanuts. However, as NAD levels decline with age, the question is how much do we need to ingest and what form is best? How can we best raise our NAD and keep it up? So it appears that we can increase NAD by either supplementing with a precursor so that NAD is produced in our body, or there are some lifestyle strategies we could do to naturally raise NAD in the body. Jackson in 1995 in the Journal of Nutrition noted that adding nicotinamide or nicotinic acid, two different forms of vitamin B3 niacin, to the diet of rats did increase levels of NAD in their organs and blood circulation. Kirkland in the journal Current Pharmaceutical Design in 2009 wrote a great review on niacin status in people and how this relates to their NAD metabolism, function, and health and disease. A niacin-deficient diet can reduce levels of NAD in the blood by 60%. So if we're not getting enough of this vitamin in the diet, that can definitely seem to impact NAD levels. Supplementation of niacin in the diet can increase NAD levels after less than a week, but very high supplementation is not necessarily warranted. It was noted in a rat study that high doses of niacin did increase NAD levels in the bone marrow after one week, but this dropped to similar levels of NAD to their baseline levels before supplementation. The reason for this downregulation is not clearly understood. Trammell in the journal Nature Communications in 2016 reported in rodents and in 12 humans that nicotinamide riboside, in particular, may be a very good form of niacin to ingest that can significantly raise NAD levels in the blood of humans. They found that specifically 1,000 milligrams of nicotinamide riboside was the most effective at raising NAD levels in humans. Amounts of nicotinamide riboside in foods are not well known, but dairy milk and yeast are thought to contain low amounts. Nutritional yeast in particular is something that can be added to our daily routine. It is deactivated yeast, which is really important because we don't want to consume active yeast as this could lead to the growth of yeast in our intestines. So nutritional yeast, which is deactivated yeast, is a very good source of B vitamins and also appears to have low amounts of that particular form, nicotinamide riboside, that seems to increase NAD in humans. Now, based on animal studies, there are some lifestyle strategies that may increase NAD as well. These include reducing our calorie intake below what we require, intermittent fasting as well. For example, Yang in 2007 reported that a 48-hour fast in mice increased NAD in the mitochondria of mice, which is where our energy is produced in our body. But we can also eat sources of the precursors to NAD, like the amino acid tryptophan, as well as vitamin B3 niacin. So we can raise our NAD levels by other healthful means as well, not just by taking a nicotinamide riboside supplement or eating niacin-rich foods. But can we take too much niacin vitamin B3? For example, if someone wanted to take a supplement of niacin, the answer is yes. Adverse effects such as nausea, vomiting, and signs and symptoms of liver toxicity have been observed at niacin intakes of 3,000 milligrams per day. This was reported by Rader in 1992 and by others conducting clinical trials with these high doses. 
Flushing of the skin, which is burning, itchy, tingling feeling with redness, can be accompanied by headaches and increased blood flow to the skin, even with doses as low as 30 milligrams in supplements. Very high doses of 3 to 9 grams per day has resulted in some cases of liver toxicity and liver failure. 3 grams a day in clinical trials was also linked to glucose intolerance, therefore a higher risk of developing diabetes. Now, the tolerable upper intake level for vitamin B3 niacin was set at 35 milligrams per day. The reason why they chose that tolerable upper intake level that we should not exceed is because at 50 milligrams per day, 5% of people experience the side effect of skin flushing. So to ensure a dose in which the grand majority of people should not exhibit any negative side effects, 35 milligrams was set at the max dose. Many vitamin supplements contain niacin amounts above 35 milligrams, and 95% of people on average don't experience that flushing side effect, but just do keep that in mind. The other consequences of high niacin seem to be only observed at the 1,000 to 3,000 milligram per day range. So how else can we modulate our NAD levels besides vitamin B3, niacin intake, or tryptophan, or fasting, or calorie restriction? Well, obesity and high-calorie diets have time and time again shown to deplete and reduce NAD levels in various tissues, including the liver, fat tissue, and muscle. Some scientists speculate that this could actually be a primary reason for a lack of energy and an increased susceptibility for chronic disease in individuals who are living above their ideal weight because obesity reduces that wind turbine, it reduces NAD levels. So maintaining a healthy weight and not eating a high calorie diet may be able to prevent that depletion of NAD. I think a fundamental study in all of this was published in the journal Cell Reports in 2019. Improving NAD levels by supplementing with the NAD precursor, nicotinamide riboside, has emerged as a potential strategy to improve NAD homeostasis and health in humans. And here in this study published in 2019, the scientists set out to understand if consuming nicotinamide riboside could increase NAD levels, particularly in the muscle, and whether potential effects on muscle metabolism could be detected. So they recruited 12 older men aged on average 75 years old. These men were on average slightly overweight, but otherwise healthy. Now, they were given a supplement of 1 gram of nicotinamide riboside per day for 21 days in a placebo-controlled, randomized, double-blind crossover study with 21 days washout between phases, so it was a well-designed study. The nicotinamide riboside supplementation seemed to reduce some markers of inflammation, but not all markers. For example, interleukin-6, interleukin-5, and interleukin-12 decreased by fourfold with nicotinamide riboside supplementation. But a very common marker of inflammation, C-reactive protein, seemed unaltered with this supplementation. So it may only impact certain aspects of inflammation. The scientists noted more importantly that the nicotinamide riboside supplementation did indeed impact the NAD levels and metabolism in the muscle of the participants, indicating that nicotinamide riboside may beneficially impact NAD and inflammation in humans. But they did not look at specific measurements of health, 
they were only able to determine that nicotinamide riboside supplementation seemed to beneficially impact any inflammation in older men. Another interesting study was published in the European Journal of Nutrition last year. Scientists aimed to determine if nicotinamide riboside supplementation could enhance physical exercise performance in young or older adults. So the scientists recruited 12 young and 12 older men. They received nicotinamide riboside supplementation or a placebo in a double-blind crossover design. Now before and two hours after the supplementation, blood and urine samples were collected and physical performance was assessed. Nicotinamide riboside supplementation appeared to be more effective in the older versus younger adults, which makes sense because I said NAD seems to fall or decline with age. So in older people, they may be more likely to see the benefits of NAD, of raising NAD. For example, the older adults exhibited an improvement in how tired they became from exercising by 15% of an improvement. Their peak performance of exercise increased by 8%. Younger and older adults both saw an improvement in their natural antioxidant system by measuring glutathione levels. And there was also a marked reduction in measures of oxidative stress. So this is one of the first studies in humans to report that nicotinamide riboside supplementation had a beneficial effect on exercise performance. But even back in the 1980s, some studies on NAD were conducted. For example, Berkmeyer in 1989 conducted a pilot study to determine if intravenous NAD could be a benefit for patients living with Parkinson's disease. So this is different because a lot of the clinical trials today will give an oral supplement of a precursor in order to increase NAD. But here in this study, they would intravenously infuse NAD into the blood of these patients. So they received 25 milligrams specifically of NADH via intravenous route every second day for 10 to 14 days. Interestingly, in this study, it was reported that all the patients exhibited some degree of benefit for their symptoms of Parkinson's disease. 62% of the participants saw at least a 30% improvement in their symptoms. The remaining people saw an improvement, but just not as significant as 30%. So intravenous NAD is something of interest for patients living with neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's. But intravenous NAD would likely only impact NAD in the short term. So it could be an effective strategy to very quickly increase NAD levels. But long term would probably be best to do a combination of fasting, reducing calories, maintaining a healthy body weight, and getting good sources of the precursors like tryptophan and niacin in the diet. But I do hope that more data in humans will be published soon because it appears to be a very promising field of research in successful aging and longevity. For example, I would love to see some clinical trials looking at NAD levels in heart health, in cancer, and long-term studies looking to see if raising NAD could prevent diseases of aging. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. Today I talked about NAD, or the jack of all trades, or the wind turbine of the body. This jack of all trades, or wind turbine, seems to slow down as we age, which can lead to reduced energy and increased risk of altered metabolism and chronic disease. We may be able to get this wind turbine going again 
by raising NAD levels again. It appears that we may be able to do this by supplementing with nicotinamide riboside, by getting adequate vitamin B3 niacin, for example, by eating nutritional yeast, chicken, pork, peanuts, mushrooms, for example, eating good sources of the amino acid tryptophan like chicken, turkey, salmon, and pork. Animal studies suggest that intermittent fasting and calorie restriction can also raise NAD levels. Maintaining a healthy body weight also seems to be very important to maintain good NAD levels, as obesity time and time again seems to reduce and deplete NAD. And this is thought to be a potential reason as to why obesity may lead to reduced energy and increased risk for chronic disease. Restoring NAD levels in mouse studies appears to improve health span and reduce a lot of the chronic conditions and symptoms. In humans, increasing NAD may improve exercise performance, reduce oxidative stress, reduce markers of inflammation, and reduce symptoms of neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's. I hope that in the future I can provide an update episode on this topic, as it seems to be a very promising field in healthy aging and longevity. So that is it for me today, my People Scientist Army. Make sure to follow me on social media where I share some extra information and some of the papers I cite in the episode on the week's topic. If you want to buy me a coffee to say thanks for the episode, you can do so via the information in the description box below. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and I look forward to meeting you back here the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.